Hello, and welcome to the podcast of Emmanuel Assemblies of God in Knoxville, Tennessee. We're so glad you've taken the time to listen. If you're ever in our area, we invite you to join us for one of our worship services. For times and locations, please visit at EmmanuelAG.com. No one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal Him. Come on, learn from me. Yoke up with me. Learn from me. I'm going to reveal to you the Father. I'm going to teach you all the things that the Father has showed me. Come on, it's an invitation to learn from Jesus who the Father is. It's an invitation to learn what God is really like. Come on, our culture has a lot of ideas about what God is like, right? And most of them are wrong. Just be honest, most of them are wrong. They're based off of, you know, either they, they worship a God they've made in their own image or they worship, you know, a, a, an image in their mind of some Greek angry deity out there somewhere just ready to shoot thunderbolts and blast you. And God says through Jesus, I love you. I've given you my blood. I want to be your father. I want to be in a relationship with you. We don't learn what God is like by looking at anything else but Jesus. Because Jesus is the one who came to reveal the Father perfectly. He came to reveal the will of the Father. If you're going through something in your life and in your mind you're wondering, is this the will of God? Look at Jesus. Look what Jesus did. How did Jesus deal with that situation? If somebody ever came to Jesus and, 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 and they were hungry, did he turn them away? No, he said, he said, I have compassion on the crowds. They've been with me three days and they're hungry. I don't want them to go away hungry. I'm going to feed them. Look at that. Does he care about your physical needs? You bet he does. Did anybody come to Jesus and, and, and needing healing? And he said, well, you know, it's not really God's will. He's trying to teach you something. There's a timing connected to it or any of those things that we say. No, if you could get to Jesus, you could get healed. Period. That's his will. We know the will of God by looking at the life and ministry of Jesus. And so Jesus invites us to come and yoke up with him and learn from him. And I think that's one of the reasons I really like the Sermon on the Mount. It's, 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 a, it's such a great teaching of Jesus about how to do life in this world, how kingdom life works. Look at this. Um, uh, to be his disciple is to be like him. Really? To be like him? Because there's groups of believers out there Okay, sincere people who think that we could never be like Jesus, that we could never love like Jesus, that we could never forgive like Jesus, that we could never be as holy as Jesus because we all got to sin a little bit every day. I've heard it. The miracles that Jesus did, they say, don't expect to see miracles in your life. The reason Jesus did miracles was to prove that he was God. Well, then why did the disciples do miracles? Maybe the disciples also did miracles to prove that Jesus was God. Because after all, they weren't out there in their own name, were they? They were speaking in his name, right? So maybe if Jesus is still God and we're here gathered in his name, maybe we can expect some of the same miracles that we read about in the Bible. What do you think? Come on, he doesn't change. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. In the Greek, it says... Jesus Christ the same yesterday, today, and to the ages. <laughs> He'll never, never change. Jesus is God. And when we're gathered in his name and the kingdom is here among us, I expect to see the same things in our lives, in your life, in our church that are in the Bible. And come on, we've had some pretty cool answered prayers, have we not? 
have we not? God is good. We could probably, if we would just take a few minutes and think back for the last three or four months, we could probably fill the rest of the service up with testimonies. God is working and doing things among us, and I love it. People say, you know, they, they, people who believe in, in healing and miracles, they get a little criticism sometimes from other people saying, man, who do they think they are? They're, they're trying to be like Jesus. Well, that is the idea. He is the pattern. We're supposed to be like Jesus, right? Oh, they're taking God's glory. Well, look, look, I have two kids, right? And um, my kids are, my, Benjamin's been playing drums. He's been doing, doing pretty good. He's learned how to do a double, Tom's cheering in the back because he's a drummer. He, he's learned how to do this double stroke, right? He's, fa- he's faster and better at it than me. I'm like, dude, and he's teaching himself. I mean, he's just, he's fascinated with his double stroke. He's trying to do it on all the drums. And I'm like, dang, where'd you learn that? And he's working on balancing those sticks. Come on, does that take glory from me that he's excelling in something? I don't think so. Abigail, she's learning how to play piano. She's sight reading better than I can sight read. Does that rob my glory as a father? No, it doesn't. It gives me glory. I'm proud of them, right? So when you step into your place as a son or daughter of God and act like a son, a mature son, and do the things that Jesus did, do you think that robs glory from God or does it bring him glory? Come on, it brings God glory when we take our place as sons and daughters of God and act like Jesus because you are the only Jesus this world may see. You're the only Jesus maybe your neighbors will ever see. Man, you are his hands and feet. Me and Melissa, you, we, used to, we used to joke, well, what was that? Was it Audio Adrenaline, Melissa? That song, I want to be your hands, I want to be your feet. It's just the way our minds are wired. You guys forgive us. You, you all know it. Sam, we need a lot of help. But, <laughs> but we used to listen to that song and we used to say, that's a dumb song because it's not, I want to be your hands. You are his hands. You are his feet. If you don't go, he doesn't go. That's it. You are his hands and feet. You are his body on the earth. So, man, we should be doing the things that Jesus did. He's our example. He is the pattern. Amen? All right, let me get back to my notes now. Okay. (laughs) Stealing my glory. Yeah, look at Matthew chapter 10, 24. Jesus says this, A disciple is not above his teacher, nor a servant above his master. It is enough for the disciple to be like his teacher and the servant like his master. The whole purpose of discipleship is to make you like your teacher. The whole purpose of yoking up with Jesus, learning from him and going where he goes and watching what he does and hearing what he says is so that you can be like him. Amen? Come on, that's, I need a big amen on that one. Amen? Thank you very much. So he says, walk with me, learn from me, go where I go. I'll teach you the things I know and I will train you to do the things that I do. Come on, God is not holding back on us, right? He has given us Jesus Will he not with him also give us freely all things? He will. So let's get to this Sermon on the Mount. I know this is going to be your favorite one today. Uh, Matthew chapter 7 and verse 1. Judge not. Judge not that you be not judged. This is going to be a good sermon today. I can tell already. I'm feeling it. And I got to be honest. This is honest confession. I don't come to you today with just a bunch, just theory. I've actually... It, well, I just told you the example of us being critical of that song. There was a time in my life I was a fairly judgmental 
and critical person. Don't laugh. It's, it's true. I'm, I'm confessing here. I'm burying my soul. I could be very, very, very critical. Um, there was a time where I could, you know, if I saw somebody successful in an area that I wanted to be successful in, that, um, you know, I would feel like I needed to analyze them and cut them down a little bit just to make me feel better about myself, right? right don't do that. <laughs> That's not the way forward for you. Thank God I let that go. I let it go. But I'm, I'm, I know what I'm talking about because I've experienced it, and it's not healthy. It keeps you stalled, keeps you stuck in a rut. It doesn't help you grow. So, you know, now I've learned to let that go. And uh, when I see somebody, you know, excelling in the area, I rejoice, man. I, I celebrate. I'm happy. And I hope that I can, you know, learn from them if they're doing something that I want to do rather than trying to bring them, cut them down in some way, right? You know, so um, where's Simba? Did he leave? Did he walk in the back? Chris, is Simba in there? Oh, attempting to, and I'm calling second day at church and I'm calling them out already. I can't believe it. Everybody just wave at my friends, Simba and Kristen and their family. It's so good to have you guys here. Look, you second Sunday here and you're already part of my, my message because here's the thing. Okay. They're visiting with us. You guys pray. Maybe God will lead them here and it, and it would be awesome. We, we, Reen Kim and I got to spend some time with them and we really, we really enjoyed spending time with them. But you know, after we met you guys, Reen Kim went on, she, she looked at your ministry page and she found a video of you clip of you playing guitar. And she, yeah, yeah, you were playing guitar on, on, on Facebook, I think. Yeah. And Rankin was like, man, he's a good guitar player. And I said, really? Yeah. Well, great. Okay. He, yeah, he flows so smooth. He's playing these full chords. I really like it. And I, okay. I said, is, is he better than me? <laughs> and she said, yeah, he's better than you. And Simba, I just want to tell you, I'm okay with that. I'm happy about that. I am. I think it's good that you're better than me. And, and um, I just can't believe that she said that. <laughs> so I was watching to let you know, I've let all judgment go. I've, I don't have to cut. I don't have to make, I don't have to criticize your guitar playing to make me feel like a, a, a good person. It's just that Rin Kim probably wouldn't know a good guitar player if she ever saw one. <laughs> Oh. <laughs> yeah. We will have an altar call, yeah. <laughs> no, but <laughs> hey, seriously, these guys are in ministry, and uh, you reach out to them, talk to them today. They're, they're, they're really cool people, and if God would lead them here, uh, he probably will be playing guitar. It would be awesome. <laughs> it would be awesome. Uh, but it says, you know, don't judge. Don't judge. You know, I'm just going to hit this stuff head on. It might, might make you a little uncomfortable, you know, if it hits you a little close to home because it hit me. If it does, that's good. <laughs> and if it doesn't, if I'm the only one, then that's fine. We'll talk about something else next week, okay? <laughs> just bear with me. Matthew 7, 1, judge not that you not be judged. Judge not. I think this is probably the most quoted verse in the Bible. I'm just telling you. I think today the world knows this verse better than they know John 3, 16. <laughs> Jesus said, don't judge. <laughs> you hear it everywhere you go, right? Don't judge me. I was born this way. Yeah, sure. And that's why you've got to go through surgery and hormone therapy to change your body to make you the way you were born. That makes no sense at all, right? But they say, don't 
judge me. No matter what kind of crazy thing they do, they don't want to be judged. They say, Jesus says, don't, they quote the Bible as, Jesus says, don't judge. You know, it can actually be nauseating to hear that from some people. (laughs) Don't judge. Jesus said, don't judge. But here's the truth. We have to make judgments all the time. You can't live life without making judgments. And we're even required to as Christians. There are things that we are supposed to judge as Christians. We're supposed to judge false ministers. We're supposed to test the spirits. We're supposed to judge prophecies. The Bible actually gives uh, leaders instructions on how to conduct church discipline, which requires looking at people's conduct and judging it, making decisions. So we're required to judge things. The Bible speaks of having discernment, the ability to dis- differentiate always in a, almost always in a very positive way. Listen to this verse from 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 21. But test everything, test everything. Hold fast to what is good, abstain from every form of evil. It takes sound judgment to be able to live an honorable life. It takes judgment and discernment to be able to raise your kids in this world today. It takes judgment and discernment to be able to interact with the world today, doesn't it? So when, let me say this, when Jesus says, just judge not, he is not saying what the world is saying. When Jesus says, judge not, he's not saying what the world is saying. I made a slide um, that says that to help, to help me um, say that. Yeah, there you go. When Jesus said, judge not, he was not saying what the world is. There, that's what it was. He is not saying that the world is saying he was saying. <laughs> it gets worse when I put the slide up. When Jesus said, judge not, he was not saying what the world is saying he is saying. That's what it is. I have to remember how it goes. So the world, he's not saying what the world is saying he's saying. You know, look at this verse from 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 3. For the time, uh, the time that is past suffices for doing what the Gentiles want to do, okay? So Paul's talking to the church. He's saying all the nations, they're wanting you to run this way and do all these things, but the time that is past was enough. You don't need to do it anymore. Going forward, you need to live for God. So he starts listing the things that the Gentiles want to do. He says, living in sensuality, passions, drunkenness, orgies, drinking parties, and lawless idolatry. And then he goes on in verse four, listen to this. With respect to this, they're surprised when you don't join them in the same flood of debauchery and they malign you. What are they doing? They're speaking evil of you. Why? Because you're judging them? No, because your lifestyle is judging them. Because you say, no, I don't wanna go there. I don't wanna go to your drinking party. Why? And then they feel judged. And that's when they react, don't judge me. No, I don't want to go to that movie. It's full of filth and stuff I don't want to put in my eyes. Why? You too holy to go to the movie? And they feel judged by your behavior. Come on, it's just going to happen. And they react. Jesus said, don't judge. I'm not judging you. I'm just not going to go to your party. But you have to be able to make judgments. Otherwise, you're going to go along. I went to New York and was in a ministry. And uh, I remember we we were doing them. Uh, outreach ministry, you know, sidewalk Sunday school trucks all over New York. And, uh, and, um, and I'm, I'm, I don't know, I hadn't been in the world as much as some people. And uh, we're on the truck and they're like, do you mind if we listen to, um, you know, this kind of music or whatever? And I didn't want to judge them. I was like, oh, whatever you guys want, it's fine. I'll be okay. And so on the way to minister, I'm listening to ah, 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 this metal stuff that did not edify me. <laughs> 
I didn't have to go along with that. I could have said, you know, well, honestly, you know, uh, since I'm getting ready to minister, I'd prefer to maybe have some worship music or just silence. But but I didn't want to judge, you know, because I wanted to go. And see, if you do that, you end up going places you don't want to go and being around things you don't need to be around. Right. So we do need to make decisions for our lives and it's okay to say no. And so they're accusing you and they're speaking evil of you because your good lifestyle is convicting them. Well, thank God. And Peter goes on in verse five and he says, but they will give account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. See, there is a judge for them, but it's just not you. You don't have to judge them, but you don't have to go either. You are not passing judgment by saying, I'm not going. What you're doing is you're letting them see life so that when they do stand before the judge, he'll say, don't you remember that person you were maligning because they weren't going along with you? There was my witness right there. You had the opportunity to seek me and know me and you refused. So there is a judge. There is judgment coming. So whenever they say, don't judge, Kenneth, get that ready. Whenever they say don't judge, I'm just telling you, they don't know what they're talking about. <laughs> you keep using that word. I don't think it means what you think. Obviously, no Princess Bride fans here. Never mind. Okay. <laughs> but at the same time, listen, but at the same time, Christians, and I hate to say this, but Christians can be the most judgmental critical, condescending, fault-finding people you've ever met. That is not right, guys. Come on, that is not right. And this is what Jesus is actually coming against here, that critical, fault-finding spirit. He's not coming against the fact that we need to make judgments to live life. He's coming against that critical spirit that's trying to tear people down to make you feel better, that insecurity that's in you that makes you feel like you need to judge everybody and criticize them and pick on every little thing they do. That's the spirit that Jesus is coming against. Let's read this whole thing in context here. Matthew chapter seven, verse one through six. Judge not, he says, that ye not be judged. For with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take that speck out of your eye when there is a log in your own eye? You hypocrite. First, take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. Do not give dogs what is holy, and do not throw your pearls before the pigs, lest they trample them underfoot and turn and attack you. Look at that last verse. Don't give what's holy to dogs and throw your pearls before the pigs. Why? We're supposed to see, we're expected to know the difference between what is holy and what is not. But a pig doesn't know the difference. They don't know a pearl is valuable. They don't know the difference between a pearl and a rock. And you give them a pearl, they just trample them just like they would trample anything. There's no discernment. There's no judgment. You could say they lack judgment. But look at the irony here in the picture of Jesus. Here's a guy with a speck in his eye. And if you've ever had a speck in your eye, I mean, it, it hurts, man. The smallest speck hurts. And it makes tears and it can affect your vision, right? And then here comes a man with a, with a, a log lodged in his eye. And he's like, let me help you with that. It's like the guy, you know, you meet on the road when, you know, maybe last month he's wrecked three cars and, and now here he's shouting at you to learn how to drive. 
You know what I mean? Riding on your bumper, blowing the horn, screaming at you, laying out the window. Learn how to drive. Like, like yeah, I'm going to take lessons from you. You're doing so good. <laughs> Think of that. That's what it is. Here's a guy with a log in his eyes. Like, let me help you with that spec. Dude, you can't even see anything. I mean, at least I can see, like, blurry. But so here's the question I've got for you. How can we, how can we major on specs and completely ignore logs? How can we major on somebody's spec while we completely ignore a log? And the answer is really simple, double standard. Come on, double standard. That's what it is. Look, here's how we look at others. Here's what we do. We scrutinize. We look at others. I can't believe they are friends with those people. (laughs) OMG, I can't believe they let their kids hang out with those kids. Come on. I can't believe they're feeding that to their kids. It's not even organic sugar. (laughs) I can't believe they shop at Target. (laughs) Can't believe they go to Disney World. I can't believe they watch Disney movies. Come on, we're always looking at other people to pass judgment, right? Look at them. Oh, man, look at them. They're kids to public school. But look at them. What? They think that they can actually teach their kids at home? Come on, no matter which way you go, I mean, people are going to judge you for something. You know what I'm saying? What kind of music are you actually listening to? Do not pick on my Hillsong from the 90s. Just don't pick on it. It's what I listen to. I'm sorry if you don't like it. But what are they? I mean, what? Oh, my. What is she wearing? (laughs) She left the house like that? Look at them. Look at them. They're taking their trash out. And they don't even recycle. (laughs) Does he think he can really sing? (laughs) We, we, We look at one another under the microscope. And we pass these judgments yet. When somebody looks at us, this is what we want them to do. Yeah, I think he's a pretty good guy. Yeah, you know, his heart's right. Yeah, you know, good intention, right? I mean, we want people to have a blind eye when they look at us and ignore all our faults, which are glaringly obvious the same faults we're always calling out on somebody else, right? You know, look at me and say, well, nobody's perfect, but my heart's right. I've got a good heart. I just feel good about him. That's what I want you to do for me. just want you to like me. Overlook the faults. It's okay. But see, it's a double standard. We scrutinize somebody else, but we're willing to overlook our own faults. And Jesus is speaking here against that critical judgmental spirit. And in his days, I do have to tell you, he did have a specific group of people in mind, the Pharisees, right? Because they were the ones, get it, the Pharisees, they took it upon themselves to be the moral guardians of the people. They were basically the self-appointed hardline pressure group that created the social climate that had everybody looking at everybody else to make sure that they were measuring up to the standard. You know what I'm saying, right? Or else the Pharisees would cancel you. You get what I'm saying? Yeah. Do we have that today? Do we have hardline pressure groups that are trying to force everybody to look into everybody else and judge one another for not living up to the standard, whatever that standard is? Yeah, you know, it seems like the loudest voices out there today are the ones who are shouting, don't judge. But they're the ones who are the first to judge you. They're the first ones to judge you if you drive the wrong kind of car. They're the first ones to drive you if you don't affirm their alternate 
lifestyles. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Uh, they're the first ones uh, who, will, who will judge you for not putting the right kind of trash in the right kind of container. You know what I'm saying? Hardline people looking out there, creating a culture of division and judging one another. But see, God really wants us to be able to help people. This is the key. God wants us to be able to help one another. And he's not looking for the church to manipulate people through social pressure. There's enough of that in the world. God's heart is to help people, to save them, to love them, and ultimately change them from the inside out. You remember John, uh, John 3.17? comes right after John 3.16. We quote John 3.16. I'm going to quote to you John 3.17. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. When we speak words of condemnation, put that next slide up. When we speak words of condemnation, we are not representing Jesus and we are not being his disciples because Jesus did not come into the world to condemn the world. He came into the world to save the world. Do you remember James and John, the sons of thunder? Jesus is on his way uh, to, uh, uh, go ahead, put that up, Luke 9. Um, let me skim over it, though. They're, they're on, he's on his way to Jerusalem, and he has to go through Samaria. And the Samaritans hated the Jews, so when they knew he was on his way to Samaria, or to Jerusalem, rather, they rejected him. They wouldn't let him stay in town. And so verse 53, it says, The people did not receive him because his face was set toward Jerusalem. And then when his disciples, James and John, saw it, and I love these guys, they said, Lord, do you want us to tell fire to come down from heaven and consume them? well, Lord, you want us to call fire down from heaven like Elijah did and just... <laughs> and what does Jesus say? You don't know what spirit you're of. It says he rebuked him. And in the King James Bible, he looked at him, he says, you don't know what spirit you are of. Because why? Jesus didn't come into the world. He will judge the world, okay? Judgment is coming. I'm not... I'm, uh, that's clear. It's abundantly clear in scripture. But right now, in this time of grace, he wants to win people not to judge them. The world's already under judgment. If you don't get in the lifeboat, you're going down with the ship, man. That's just what it is. It's a time of rescue. And when your ship is sinking and you throw out a lifeline, man, you don't have time to deal with all the little things that we want to judge people over. Get them in the boat. Get them to safety and then let God clean them up, right? Disciple them. Let them walk with you and see how you live your life. They'll want to copy you if your life is right. But this spirit of condemnation and judging has got to go. There is no place for it in the church. There's no place for it in your homes. Listen to this. The critical spirit is an attitude that would prefer God's judgment on people before they respond to his mercy. I've met people who thought that that was witnessing, man. <laughs> They'd go out in the street and just tell people, basically, you're going to hell, thinking that's going to make them all of a sudden say, oh, really? <laughs> well, what do I do to serve your God? <laughs> I've had to explain to people. I mean, I've had kids come up to me and say, man, I just can't serve a God who says, who says um, serve me or burn in hell. I was like, I'm sorry that that's the attitude that you got about God from hanging around other, you know, people who call themselves Christians. The truth is the world is messed up and God's here to rescue you and help you. 
the attitude that would prefer God's judgment on people before they respond to his mercy. And that is as far away from the spirit of Jesus as you can possibly be. Let me ask you this. Can you help people to change without passing judgment on them? That's hard, isn't it? Think about it. Can you help somebody to change without judging them? Because if you can, then you are like Jesus. I want to go to the book of James just for Carolyn. It's been a few months since I've preached out of the book of James, and I was hoping Carolyn would be here today because <clears throat> I know it's her favorite book. She actually told me she read it recently, and, and uh, I just commend her for living such a holy life. James chapter 2, verse 1, it says, My brothers, show no partiality as you hold the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory. Show no partiality, okay? Number, verse number 2, For if a man wearing a gold ring and fine clothing comes to you in your assembly, and a poor man in shabby clothing also comes in, and if you pay attention to the one who wears the fine clothing and say, Oh, sit here in a good place, and you say to the poor man, I'll oh, stand over there or, or sit down here at my feet. Listen to this. Have you not then made distinctions among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts. See, the goal, the, 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 the result of judgment is making distinctions among yourselves. That's what he does not want us to do. But say, I know, I know you're not actually judging people. You just have this excellent sense of discernment. I know how it works. You, you're, you've got the gift of discernment, maybe. So when people come in, you know them. You know them because you have great discernment. So, okay, you're not judging them. You've just made, you have used your excellent discernment to make distinctions among yourself and you've become an excellent discerner with evil thoughts. I mean, see, the result, if it results in these distinctions made among us, you can call it anything you want, but it's what, that's what God does not want to see happen among us. He does not want us to make these distinctions among us. See, if distinctions are the result of judging, then what would be the result of not judging? Reconciliation, restoration, coming together, right? Come on, what's the Bible say? Sermon on the Mount and the Beatitudes, blessed are the peacemakers, right? How good and how pleasant it is for brothers to live together in unity, right? That's a psalm. We've been given the ministry of reconciliation. That's Jesus's ministry passed on to us, the ministry of reconciliation, so I'm going to talk to you in the few minutes I have left, how to remove the speck from your brother's eye. How many of you guys want to learn how to remove the speck from your brother's eye? Okay. Number one, don't judge. Do it without judging. If you can do it without judging, you're like Jesus. Don't judge. Listen, what does a, what does a law court do when it does not want to hear a case, when it doesn't want to judge a case, Right? What they do, they just refuse to take it. They refuse to hear it, right? They'll say something like the, 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 um, the plaintiff, the accuser, they have no standing in this court. And this court has no jurisdiction over that matter. Therefore, I refuse to hear the case, right? Is the accused party guilty of the crime he's charged with? Maybe, Maybe not. It's not a pronouncement of guilt or innocence. It's just saying, I'm not going to hear the case. Do you get what I'm saying? The case won't go to trial because the accuser lacks standing and the court lacks jurisdiction. Well, that's what, that's what you need to do. That's what we need to do, right? I'm not going to hear that case. 
Why? Because the accuser, Satan, has no standing in this court. And this court has no authority to judge you. There is a judge and it's not me. My court is not going to judge you. I refuse to hear the case. Are you guilty? Maybe. I don't know. But you're not going to get a pass judge. I'm not going to pass judgment in this court. I'm simply not going to judge you. But I will help you. How can I help? So number one, don't judge. I won't hear the case. I won't pass judgment on them. Number two, put your life in order. Jesus didn't say, don't help your brother with the speck. He said what? First, take the log out of your own eye. Then you'll be able to see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. He's all good with us helping somebody with a speck in their eye. So before we can help somebody get that speck out of their eye, we have to be seeing clearly ourselves. Romans chapter two and verse one, he says, therefore you have no excuse, O man, every one of you who judges. For in passing judgment on another, you condemn yourself because you, the judge, practice the very same things. So when you judge somebody else, you're actually passing, heaping up judge. I mean, I hear that and I'm like, man, you're okay. Because <laughs> I don't want to heap judgment on myself. You know what I'm saying? If your house is not in order, if you have a board, a log, or plank in your own eye, then honestly, it is in your best interest not to judge somebody else. Because when you judge, you'll be heaping up judgment on yourself. But even better to get the board out of your eye, to live right, to live clean, to live holy, so that you can help others. God wants us to be able to help one another. But in order to do that, we need to deal with our own stuff. You know what I'm saying? We need to get our own sins and shortcomings taken care of under the blood of Jesus and walking in a way that we can actually see to help one another without judging them. So number one, don't judge. Number two, put your life in order. Number three, be gentle. Do you remember, what did Jesus say? Take my yoke upon you and learn of me for I am gentle. When you're gentle toward one another, you're like Jesus. Come on, that's the whole goal is to be like Jesus. The whole goal of the Sermon on the Mount is to make you and me like Jesus. So be gentle. Do it in gentleness. I want to read from Galatians chapter 6. He says in verse 1, Brothers, if anyone is caught in a transgression, you who are spiritual should restore them, store him in a spirit of gentleness. Gentleness. It means a mild disposition. It, it's meekness. It, it's very closely related to humility. Gentleness is a fruit of the Spirit. It's evidence of God working in your life. And it's the opposite of being judgmental or critical. Because, come on, the goal is to win them, right? Not to prove that they are wrong. How many times do you hear Christians who end up trying to prove that somebody's wrong rather than trying to win their heart? Boy, there's a big difference. There's a big difference. So how do we deal with those who disagree with us? How do we deal with those who we think are wrong? Kenneth, this is not in there because I added it late, but um, the reference is 2 Timothy chapter 2. If you want to write that down, you can look it up later and tell me if I'm right. But I copied it right off of the internet, so I know it's true. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 24, it says, And the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but kind 
to everyone, able to teach patiently, enduring evil. Don't you love these words? (laughs) Kind, patient, not quarrelsome. Listen, verse 25, correcting his opponents with gentleness. God may perhaps grant them repentance leading to the knowledge of the truth, and they may come to their senses and escape from the snare of the devil after being captured by him to do his will. He is saying when you are dealing with people who are actually captured by the devil, bound up by the devil, doing the devil's will, and they can't help it because they're captivated by by him, you need to restore them and reason with them with a spirit of gentleness. Come on, does Jesus know the way that will work? to rescue your brother and sister. Spirit of gentleness. And then finally, number four, don't judge number one, put your life in order, your life in order, number two, do it with gentleness. And finally, number four, be watchful. Be watchful. Galatians, the Galatians verse continues. He says, keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. For if anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. But let's each one test his own work. So where should you be watching? Your own work. Where should this be? Come on. Where should I have this? On my work. Watching myself. Yeah. And then his reason to boast will be in himself alone and not in his neighbor. Again, he's speaking to spiritual people here. He starts the verse off saying, let those who are spiritual restore him in the spirit of gentleness, watching. What are you watching? Well, one, that you don't fall into the same sin that they're doing, right? But two, that you don't fall into any sin as you're trying to help them. Don't fall into the sin of pride, thinking that you're so much better. Don't fall into the sin of judging and criticism, thinking that you're right and they're wrong. Don't fall into the being arrogant. Do you get what I'm trying to say? Watch yourself carefully as you're dealing with others so that you don't fall into sin yourself. Can I get the band to go ahead and come forward? The Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome but kind to everyone, able to teach, patiently enduring evil, correcting his opponents with gentleness. God may perhaps grant them repentance, leading to a knowledge of truth. I just want to take a few minutes here and uh, um, remain in the Lord's presence. And, uh, you know, I talked about not judging. I talked about uh, our attitude being gentle and uh, keeping watch on ourselves. And I also spoke about dealing with your own stuff. And I know, you know, we're probably in all different levels and different kinds of relationship with different kinds of people. But um, I just want to take a moment in the Lord's presence and just give you an opportunity to pray about what the word brought forth today. And just let God adjust you. You know, if you're, if you're, um, I was driving to Alabama one time to go to a church and I missed my turn. And I mean, I was supposed to be going down like the Georgia-Alabama line. And I was almost to central Alabama before I realized I was off. You know what I mean? When you're traveling somewhere and all of a sudden you find yourself way off course, man, you have to make big corrections, you know, turn around and, and 
go the other way and get back, right? But if you're kind of going the one way and you get off on a parallel, or you're just a little bit off, little corrections get you where you go, you know? Not everybody needs big corrections in life. Sometimes we do. Sometimes we need to make radical changes. Sometimes we just need fine-tuning. A little tweaking, you know, but just let God speak to you today. And also, uh, we didn't have an opportunity with the with the communion and everything to minister to needs. If anybody would would like us just to pray for you for any need at all that you might have, I would just invite you to come forward at this time as we're as we're worshiping. Irene, come and I'd be very happy to pray with you.